You're listening to Brandon Butter, a straight talking, occasionally in your face, no BS, branding podcast for modern marketers and business owners. Here for those who want to understand the influence and power of branding and how pairing association, consumer behavior, and design thinking can impact what people see, think, and feel. I'm your host, Tara Ladd, the sometimes funny, sometimes vulnerable, and often unapologetically blunt founder and creative director of brand and design agency, your one and only. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Brand and Butter. It's an interesting one this week, actually, because I want to talk about the process that you take to, I guess, do a rebrand or refresh your look if you're scaling up your business. Now, when we're looking at doing a, well, it depends if it's what you would consider a rebrand. A lot of the times it's a refresh, which means that sometimes the logos don't change too much. You might just update a few of the assets. However, if you've completely changed direction and you're just ready to completely upheave, the general consensus is most people say it's a rebrand. Now, there are a few things to consider when you do do a rebrand. And a lot of the times there's a lot of, I guess, thinking involved into the way that you approach it. Beginner stage designers will probably want to dive in and completely change everything and stamp their, you know, stamp of approval on it. In most instances, this happens when you have new blood in the business as well, but it's important to understand the purpose and the objective of a rebrand and to make sure that you're doing it correctly. So let me walk you through a few steps that we talk to or we discuss with our clients as we go through that process. And the first step is, what is the purpose of the rebrand and what do you want to achieve from it? Now, generally, there are a few things that people will say and they can range from because I want to play with the big dogs or I've outgrown my current brand or I'm completely changing everything and I need to, you know, relook everything or simply that they just want to change things up. They might be feeling differently and it just doesn't fit anymore, right? So there are a few things in there that you need to look at and understand why. And it might be that they're looking to rebrand to sell. And so each of these things serve a purpose and the intention when we're looking at scaling up a brand or, you know, repositioning it to sell or reposition it to grow it up, grow it up, we need to look at the reasonings and figure out the best approach for that. Now, first and foremost, when we do do a rebrand and we don't think that the logo needs to change, we won't change it. There's a reason for that. Just because you're having a rebrand doesn't mean you need to change the logo. I mean, we will always say if we think that the logo needs to be updated. Nine times out of 10, it does. But there are times when it just doesn't need to be updated or a lot for that matter. Sometimes we might just get the existing logo and just modernize it slightly. And it's really important to understand why you are updating that logo and the purpose of it 
the objective. If it doesn't need to be changed, don't change it. There's a reason you wouldn't change it or shouldn't change it if it's still working well. And that's purely because of brand recognition. If you go and you completely change something that doesn't need to be changed, it can actually be a disservice. Like it can change how people perceive you. It can actually confuse the audience. They may not recognize who you are. So in we recently rebranded one of um, our clients, Monty. Go and check them out. And when we did that, we went through a very calculated process. And I sat down with the team and I discussed with them what they wanted to do. And they basically wanted to evolve. You know, they'd outgrown where they were and they really wanted to step up their game. And they're absolutely owning it. I'm so proud of them. And what we did was I discussed whether they wanted to change the logo. And there was a reason why I did say we want to change the logo. Um, And that was because the one that they previously had still served its purpose, but it was a bit sharp. And I say that with good intention. So when we're looking at typography or placement and, and shapes, when we're creating an identity for a brand, sometimes some are impactful and in your face and sharp shapes work. However, if you want to come across soft natured or, you know, gentle, that can come across through typography. So slightly rounded edges and just taking the sharpness off the look can actually soften the approach, believe it or not. Uh, my friend Anita from Word Fetty actually speaks about this quite often with the way she talks about words. Uh, I think it's Kiki and Boboa or something. There is a whole psychology around the sound and the way the word is shaped to how we as an audience perceive that look and feel. We go, oh, they're a bit hard or, oh, they're a bit masculine or they're a bit feminine. And you, without even realizing it, you've made this judgment based off an identity and a logo. So what we do and what we did is we sat down with the team and we looked at their current logo and I suggested, look, why don't we have a crack at it. The intention wasn't to change their logo at all, but I said, why don't we have a crack at it? Um, Because I want to try and evolve this into the rest of the collateral that we're creating. In this case, we did update it, but there's a reason for it. And I'll explain that. So I went back with two different concepts. Uh, They were very hesitant to change it. So, and, and you have to tread carefully when someone doesn't want to change their logo. And if you're a designer and you're listening to this, there's a reason for that. Sometimes there is an emotional connection to that logo. It could be, it's the first thing that they created. It's like a signature piece. It's like throwing out the baby cot. No one wants to do it. It's, it's contains memories. It's, it's the process to get there. It's, you know, um, it, it can be quite emotional for some people. So you've got to tread very carefully with how you word things, um, and how you approach, Because also they could have created the logo and you say it looks like shit and then they're like, oh, well, screw you. So you've got to tread carefully with the way that you give constructive criticism. However, when we sat down, uh, they were all very receptive of what I had to say. And I said, look, if it doesn't work, we don't change it. Simple as that. And they went, cool. So they gave it a crack and I am thankful that they did that. So I went back with two options and I gave them one that was just modifying their one that they currently had. And I changed one completely. Still very much in line with where we were going with the direction, but aligning to what we wanted it to do. And 
lo and behold, we ended up changing it. So what I did when I changed that logo is it had an original, the original logo had an M with, and it had like an overlapping, um, you know, the middle bit, I can't think of what it's called in between the M at the base, like the little arrow, it had like two of them overlapping. And then there was another little arrow at the top and it just looked a little bit overdone. And I know that they have their logo across a lot of their products. Um, and simplicity is key when you're, it's like a stamp. You don't want anything too OTT because, you know, you want prominence and you don't want things to get lost and you want people to be able to identify that first glance. So I just simply removed one of the shapes and I rounded, bolded the font ever so, like made it, we, we made a very similar font, added some, some guts to it and rounded the edges ever so slightly. The best compliment after they showed their rebrand to their audience, uh, the best compliment that I saw was, why? It doesn't look like you've changed anything. And I was like, yes, because there was so much that we had changed, but the fact that they didn't actually notice that it had changed was a good thing. We weren't wanting to completely restrip it. We just wanted to grow them up. So you need to understand the objective of what you need to do to know if you've achieved that result. So there is a whole thing in consumer psychology and it's that making slight tweaks and changes to things so that the consumer doesn't understand that or doesn't realize that things are being changed. And that's good because it means that you can continue to evolve from a from an identity point of view, you can t- continue to evolve. Old mate chocolate companies, not mentioning any brand names here, when they go and reduce the amount of chocolate that are in the packages, that's when you get the shits. But they do that ever so slightly and someone goes, hey, they've taken 20 grams of chocolate out of this and it's still the same price. That's sneaky. And that's the point. That's exactly what they try and do. They try and reduce it just just that tiny bit so you can't see that that's been done. And that's it's, I think it's called like, oh, I can't remember the terminology. It's like the minimal rate of something, something. Anyway, you Google it. Basically, the point was to create their identity and to scale them in a way that just refreshed their image. So we gave them branding guidelines that included their image direction and all of their structure for formatting and really cool extension of their brand with a whole library of really cool and creative shapes that they could use for personality and fun. Now, originally I'd suggested to them to uh, bring in some shapes, but they didn't really want them. And then it came to when we uh, produced the presentation and they're like, something's missing. I said, shapes. And we all laughed. Uh, So we brought the shapes in and the shapes really amplified it and it just gave it that personality that it needed. And I'm just loving them like at the moment, they're rolling it out and it's just done to perfection. Um, sometimes it's really hard to get someone to roll it out the way that you want them to. So I'm just really happy that they're doing that. It's looking amazing. And and yeah, they, they are just living the dream. They're loving everything that's going out at the moment because they've got this whole new product line, all of their logos being updated on all of that. And yeah, it's just awesome. So that's just a simple case of just slightly modifying the logo, but there are times when you don't need to do that, especially if you're a big reputable brand. Like the Telstra logo hasn't changed. They change colors every so often, but that logo hasn't changed. They might've slightly rounded the edges, but it's never enough for the consumer to actually realize. And the same thing, and I always use this as an example, TripAdvisor and Bunnings have both changed their color green over the years and no one has even noticed. 
I know Bunnings used to be this really like foresty green and it's kind of moved towards a teal. But yeah, if you go and Google it, you can see the the differences. But, you know, you change it ever so slightly that people don't notice. And that's a good thing. Like it's not a bad thing to do that. When you've got a brand that doesn't need to change too much, you just need to evolve it. You just make these slight tweaks over time. We've done it with our own brand. I switched out the logo. I've switched out some things and I've ever so slightly like transitioned out some colors And like, I mean, some people will go, oh, you've changed the logo color, but they don't go enough to go, oh, you've completely changed everything. And there's a reason I've done that. Um, And that's because I wanted to evolve it, like where it was and when I created it six years ago, it just wasn't serving what I wanted it to do now. So I changed it. And usually most brands will adapt and evolve their brands. It's like every seven years. Now that's not saying you need to go through a complete rebrand, but it means that you update your assets to reflect where we are. Because while we don't need to stay on trend, no brand is going to evolve the test of time. Even the brands that you think haven't changed. I had this conversation with a client the other week and they're like, Coke hasn't changed. I'm like, but that, that they have. You go and look at hundred years of Coke logos and there was actually a time they completely changed the logo and was like, mm, well, mission revert. But what's changed is like the, the like, the script moves like slightly italic and then it comes back and then the dynamic ribbon device comes in and it doesn't, it's removed. And then they add this whole other element. And so they do, they play with it all the time and you know, they've done it. Well, I'd say recently, but it's not recently at all. It was good 10 years ago now. Um, they were doing, taking out all the different colors of Coke. It was diet Coke had a color and it was like Coke life at the time had a color and Coke zero had a color and they put them all in the same can now. And they've just uh, got a slight, ring around the top and that differentiates what can you're drinking out of or a color has been changed. So that signature red is consistent throughout every single thing. Because what they found was that when people were going into the shop, they weren't recognizing the Coke brand when it was like life, Coke life in a green can. They just couldn't identify that logo, uh, that brand from the color. So they had to think on their feet and like they always do, they came up with a really good execution. It looks great. Simple and easy, actually, way easier than that, probably what they were doing before. So as you go through the process, you sit down, you have the objective, you figure out what it is that you want to do, and you you align the strategy of the rebrand to work with the intention and the objective. If you are trying to sell, what you're doing is rebranding so that you're attracting new buyers to buy it. Uh, also, as anyone knows, you need to rebrand for your audience. You don't rebrand for you. It's not a personal thing. Unless you are a personal brand, you should not be branding the business because you like the color red or you like the color purple. It needs to serve a purpose to the audience that you're working with. I don't know how many times I'll I'll hear someone say, I chose this and this because this reflects my personal life. And it's like, well, that's great. But if those colors reflect your audience in the same way, cool. But if it doesn't, you need to really sit down and understand the strategy behind why you've chosen those colors or why you've chosen those fonts. And if you want to be like a really soft natured, urban kind of country vibe brand, you need to choose colors that are going to, that are going to associate with that vibe. You're not going to go and choose like black and hot pink. It's not going to work that way. Like, especially if you're entering that nature rustic kind of area, it's like cultural association, color association, 
While we want to push boundaries, we still actually have to stay within the constraints of a stereotype. And I know that that sounds so hard to, but like every day we're constantly pushing the boundaries of what we can and can't do. And an industry disruptor will go out and succeed at it. Who gives a crap a great, they did that exact thing with the toilet paper industry. But there's many failed brands that have tried to do things and it just didn't work. And that's because they didn't understand the audience well enough. So there'll be, or they just, it just didn't work. It just wasn't what they wanted. I mean, look at the adaptation of a QR code. No one was using QR technology. That's been around for years. I remember putting these on our campaigns and catalogs back in the day when I was in agency. And I was like, why do they do this? No one does this shit. Like such a waste of space. Sure enough, COVID came good 10 years later and all of a sudden, hey, QR codes are popular. Super interesting. You have to wait for the audience that you're communicating to to adapt to technology. So what they say with designers is that usually we think seven years ahead in terms of design and the client usually is on trend, right? So they're looking around and they're seeing what's available now. Unless they're into design, they're looking at what's available now. Hence why so many people design on trend. And I'm going to say, even if the designer wants to push them beyond that, most of the time they're going, oh, I really like this typography because this is the serif that's, you know, this is the display font that's popular at the moment. And this is the color that's popular at the moment. And then sure enough, in two years time, the whole thing dies out and you're like, shit, I'm left with a brand that's so dated because the trend is gone. So the trick is to try and jump the tipping point. Um, if anyone's aware of Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point, basically you've got your early adopters and the, it's like a wave. So everyone, what we always consider is like the people that stand out the front for the iPhones and we wait for them. The general mass market will wait for those people and then you'll get some early adopters. They'll come in and the, the you know, the line starts to go up. The It starts to increase and then we start to get to the top of the curve and that's where most of the, the mass market will jump on and that's where it's like peak um, consumption. And then it starts to dip off. That's when the trend starts to die and when you start to – you know when everyone would will use a trend that is so dated and you're like, oh, that's so old. That is basically at the end of its tether and you're like it's kind of still around but they did it when it's like, you know, it was popular two weeks ago and you're like, uh, not funny, doesn't hit the same – that's kind of the same thing with design. So what we usually try and do is we try and get buy-in from them from thinking like three years ahead. So we're like, look, this is where it's going. Look, trust us, we can see things. Like it's always – like design always aligns co- – like it's cohesive across the board. Fashion, graphics, like architecture, it all aligns. Like there is somewhere or another there is some kind of – and it's generally because – you know, someone's picking it up somewhere. Um, Hush Puppies in the Tipping Point book, Hush Puppies actually weren't that great of a brand at the time, had no exposure. And it wasn't until there was like some people out looking that someone told them that people were wearing their shoes in East Village, New York. East Village, for those that don't know, is, you know, the cool hipster hipster vibe um, of New York City, of Manhattan. And basically they went over there and they sussed out who was wearing them and that's where trends happen right they start with where the cool people are so if you go and hang around all these cool places and 
you're like, oh yeah. Think about everyone. They'll go, oh, I was so onto that three weeks ago before that was a cool thing. Everyone wants to be the trendsetter, but no one wants to be the person that makes the disruption because it's risk and it's scary and you've got to go and do something no one else has done before. (laughs) So we try and push clients to about a three year kind of above them and paint the picture of what this could look like and get them to buy into it. What we want them to do is to achieve like, you know, a grade status. We want them to go out and shake up the industry. What can you do that's different to what's already out there? Let's look at all the competitors that are out there now. One of our companies um, that we're rebranding at the moment, amazing freight forwarding company, and we've just added hot pink into their logo. So very different to what's out there. Um, It's not in their logo, sorry, it's in their brand colors. But what we've done is very, very different to what's in that industry. And I'm really excited to see the reception of it. You know, and if something happens and you're like, oh, that was a bit too ballsy, just take it out. Like, it's not that hard. Like, I mean, unless you're printing shit ton of packaging and you're like, go and put it on everything. Like, you know, you can phase things out. So we're phasing out our our teal at the moment. I've actually moved our your one and only teal to to an accent and we've brought in like the black and top and red. So that's kind of where we're at. And there's a reason for that. It's because... Uh, your one and only is very energy driven. It's very blunt and in your face. And I wanted that red and black impact where Teal just didn't cut it anymore. It just wasn't who we were. So I needed that to change. And then obviously I switched the gray out with the top because the top is a warmer color versus the gray, which is a cooler color. So that's the psychology behind that and why I chose those colors for the brand. And obviously I discussed it with the team at the time. So we went through what we thought the brand was today and how we can evolve that. So it's understanding what the objective is, what it is that you want it to be, how you can align the strategy to work with the execution of the design. Cause at the end of the day, the design needs to work to basically identify what's inside. Think of it like your letterbox to your house. What you see is what you perceive. And if you look a certain way, people are going to expect you to be that way. Like it's an assumption and a judgment that they make. And also go back and listen to the other episode, perception, what we perceive. Like we walk down the street, let's women, where we at, you walk down the street at night and you see someone in a hoodie walking with their head down, approaching you, specifically a dude, you're going to have your you're going to be concerned, right? You're judging that that person could at any moment attack you until something happens. They smile, they take their hoodie off and then you're like, oh, okay. All of a sudden your assumption changes. So perceptions are what we, what we think about someone before we've actually encountered, you know, I guess working with that brand or working with those people, it's they're creating the narrative. So this is why it's important for you to set that narrative. So you shape the perception, So that's a simple kind of look at to how you can scale. And when we're looking at scaling, I guess this is where we're at. This is where what we do best is what we work with brands that have been in the industry for a couple of years and they're ready to level up. Like they're ready to go, okay, let's make some bank, strip me out and make me look damn good. And we basically say that we're creating your first impression. So we want people to look at them and go, oh, cool. That, that was a level up. Um, and that's essentially what we'll do is we'll sit down and we'll figure out what the goals are. We align everything to the objective and we build that into the strategy. And then we work together as with our clients to kind of go, okay, what do you think of this? And, you know, obviously it's to and froing and we're both brainstorming together and then we come up with the way that it's going to work and then we execute. 
And now that can be in any form. Like it could be that we bring in like illustration to be like a visual language or we use shape or we use graphics or we use color. You know, we said it before, go-to skincare uses pretty much block color and imagery. So it's just a matter of finding the right tone with copy and I should say typography. They're a typographic brand, so they use color and typography. But yeah, it's understanding the strategy, the direction, how you want to plan things, the objective, and then you create the identity. I think too many people jump into, oh, I've started a business. I need a logo. I need to jump on social media. Um, and then that's really where we end up. So we end up seeing these businesses that have probably grown out of good measure and good good work. Like, you know, they've got a good product or they've got a good service and word of mouth has spread or they've done a good job in their marketing or their brand probably doesn't look too shit. And they're ready to scale up. And then that's when they go, hey, I created this in Canva like two years ago or whatever it is. And, or I created this, um, this company, we've had this company logo for the last 10 years and we're ready to really update and modernize. And then that's when we come in and go, all right, let's sit down, let's assess this and let's work through it. And then you go through the process. Um, and the best thing is to really understand your people because when you understand your people, and I'm not talking about just a overview of a target market. I'm talking about really understanding the people that are buying from you. Who are the, who are the ideals? Who are the ones that return um, and always spend? What what do they love about you? What do they really just, you know, find fascinating about you that they don't about someone else? Ask them because sometimes those messages are your hero messages and your positioning statements when you do do a rebrand. Oh, I didn't think about that, they say. I did this with um, some of my top clients and I asked them a stack of questions. And to be honest, the results... I, that I got back were quite simplistic and I was like oh okay I mean I, I know that but like I did not think it was just going to be that easy so all I had to do was keep doing what I was doing but just amplifying it and just a slight tweak in messaging as to who I was talking to rather than being a little bit broad so it's just understanding who your audience is how you're going to attract them what your objective is and then planning the plan to to build that identity that attracts them so that's today if you liked what you heard, please share this podcast with someone that you know. And if you think that they will find value in that. Also, I've been sharing some great things at the moment on um, LinkedIn. So if you want to go and check some stuff out over there, definitely. It's like s- some deep psychological stuff. And also, seeing as though we've got some threads going around now, make sure you jump over and uh, follow us on threads and we'll follow you back. It's a nice way to build some new connections and have some conversations without having to use any imagery for a change. It's actually a designer's dream. People will think we hate it. It's not. Let me just write stuff to you. <laughs> anyway, tune in for next week. Pretty excited to kind of get things rolling. We've got some big guests coming on over the next couple of weeks and I am really excited to share them with you. Did you like that episode? I hope so. Because if you did, why don't you head over to whatever platform you listen on and rate and review. It's much appreciated and helps others know what we're about. If you want to follow us, you can find us at yourwantandonly underscore au on Instagram or head to www.youwantandonly.com.au.